competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet on the planet with your host paul murphy and expert coach nick nanavati Hey folks, welcome to an episode of the Art of War podcast. My name is Paul Murphy, your host. I got Nick Nadavati. Hey everybody, how are you? And we're joined by Mike Garcia. How are you doing everybody? Mike, welcome. I know you got a little bit of a frog in your throat. I think you you may have worn yourself out this past couple of weekends while, you're, while yeah. you were wearing other folks out with your Cristones. Yeah, it was a bit of a slog. Uh, ended up uh, losing my voice, but uh, it's coming back. So Losing the voice <laughs> winning the tournament, though. Yep. Left it all on the table, literally and figuratively. and harmonically (laughs) well seriously welcome to the show this is part one of a two-part conversation where we're going to talk about your performance at the kipper's melee and you know basically some some of the things you you had to to battle there how you did the list itself we're going to talk about uh the secondaries that you choose you know how do you actually win these games outside of just engaging with the opponents uh and then you know talking about maybe how you spend your command points everybody's a little bit thirsty for those and and i think even the custodians maybe kind of desperate for some of those in certain situations but you tell us welcome to the show thank you very much uh pleasure to be here if you wouldn't mind uh you know i guess let's jump into it what what did you take uh and where are you from too yeah so um i'm from vancouver bc uh tournament was in nanaimo so uh yeah pretty uh it's a three-hour sort of trip to get there but uh yeah so from british columbia canada and Kipper's yeah. reset was in the net. I, I actually said this before on another show, and I think I butchered the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. We were uh, listening to the show, uh, and when you butchered it, so it was pretty good. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for coming on and tell us, uh, talking to us about it. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the list I think is pretty uh, straightforward. Custody's list. Uh, you know, you've got Trajan. I think in Nephilim, he's obviously an auto take. He's an auto take anyway. But just uh, getting the Warlord traits for free and uh, not costing a command point because my list starts with zero command points. We'll get into all the whys and hows of, of why you took every unit, but let's just read through it top to bottom first. Yeah, so we got Trajan. We've got three uh, Custodian Guard with shields and swords. I've got one uh, Lexus Praetor, uh, the banner with the minus one hit. I've got uh, two units of three Virtus Praetors, the bikes with the salvo launchers. And then I've got a shield captain with penetrable mind, superior creation, and uh, uh, Castellan Mark the Relic. He's uh, also got a salvo launcher, got two Achilles dreadnoughts, two venerable dreadnoughts, and a Caladius grav tank with uh, the accelerator cannon. Interesting. So top to bottom, it's a bit of a hybrid between the mech custodies list that take a lot of dreadnoughts and Caladiuses and the bike versions that are spamming out the Veritas Braiders. You've kind of gone for a bit of both. And you're playing Emperor's Chosen, you said? Yeah. Uh, in this tournament, I was uh, Emperor's Chosen. I was trying to make it work with one of the other shield hosts, but with the meta right now with the Tyranid, you know, mortal spam and and just everybody being able to put out mortals, uh, Emperor's Chosen is the more competitive option. So. Yeah, it almost feels like you're forced into the Emperor's Chosen choice because if you don't play Emperor's Chosen Mortals, just hard counter your faction. Do you do you feel that way? Before we get too far deep in that, let's talk about what it like. Why? What does the Emperor's Chosen give you? What is what is that trait? So, what does it do? So Emperor's Chosen gives you uh, four up, feel no pain on mortal wounds, and every activation, uh, shoot or fight, you get to reroll one hit roll or one wound roll. Yeah, the four of Funeral Pain from Mortal. Yeah, is- for free. For free. So, I mean, every attack, you basically get a free reroll. So, I mean, 
in and of itself, that's you know a ton of command points. And the forward female pain is just amazing versus certain factions. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, when when knights can convert all of their damage to mortals, or nids can hit you with a super smite, hit a six. It's it's uh, it definitely comes in handy, and it it definitely saves. It's on the. Do so. you feel like you're you're painted into the corner of having to play Emperor's Chosen because the mortals in the meta, and this is your best defense against it, or is there like a tough decision to be made when you play Custodes? Uh, I was having some some success in practice games and just different uh, league games up here in BC with uh, Emerus and. Uh, Peritatus, or I can't say that properly, but the, the emer, Emissaries one, uh, which basically is fight first, and um, you can ignore all modifiers to hit and wound roll. I think that is probably one of the most uh, competitive outside of uh, Emperor's Chosen, but yeah, you, you definitely are forced into Emperor's Chosen because of the mortals right now. So I guess with that philosophically, you're trying to cover up the bad matchups that is the mortal wound output armies thousand suns tyranids you mentioned a couple um yep. with emperor's chosen and that's ideally so that you don't have any unwinnable matchups when you go to the tournament and try to go the coveted six no which you did congratulations mike by the way thank you thank you so it clearly worked out for you that's a strategy that armies when they have a lot of diverse options and a lot of different play styles and things that's when they go for i'll cover all my base and try to win the tournament armies that are a little bit more limited try to just accept the bad matchup is the bad matchup and it's really easy to paint yourself into i just won't if i hit mortal tyranids i'll just die that's fine i'll have a better army for all the other matchups did you go in with the mindset of of like i need to go undefeated to win this tournament so i i just gotta have a chance in everything or what was your approach yeah so I, I think that was sort of the mindset was okay what what is going to kill me the fastest and that you know with custodies being as resilient as they are um you know mortal wounds has always been difficult to get around so you know it was like okay to give myself a chance uh i had to mitigate that and also with the you know when you need that clutch reroll you just need to kill something uh that reroll on the the wound or 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 the the hit is can really come in clutch too because I can either save my command points to also get a reroll if uh, if I absolutely need it, or I can save those to try to make a save reroll when I need that unit to survive. So those two things really kept me alive in in a, in a bunch of the games. Nice. I'm, I'm digging that. Uh, you know, I mentioned that I think the custodians were kind of thirsty for command points. So I mean, is that true? You know, I feel like they are they just standing up on their own stats right now. Yeah, I mean, if I if I so my my list, I ran a patrol and a vanguard. If I could have those other three CP, I would take it. Hard. I just can't make the list work without those two detachments. So if I had more CP, yeah, I think they would do. It would it would be a lot nicer to have a. a it's not so much in game CP that I think they're struggling with. It's the it's nice to have some of those relics and warlord traits that just help you in those key matchups. So I had to make a couple of sacrifices. Like we were saying, like you can spend your CP throughout the game, so you stock up more in the beginning by not spending strats. Yep. You can spend CP on better warlord traits and or warlord traits and relics in the first place that are really powerful. Or you, the way you've done it, you've taken detachments, so you're spending your CP on just a better selection of units and not having to pay for a battalion. It's worth a troop yep. choices, things like that. Yeah, and I, and I think um, with uh, you know Nephilim, and you're you're definitely limited. Um, not having some of those warlord traits, you know, definitely you know balances you know. So not balances, but it hurts the army in a, in a way that the strats for custodies have been nerfed so hard 
that when I was building the list, I was like, okay, well, how about we just not need to use these strats or very seldomly need to use these strats, such as turn off the rerolls and, and all of that sort of stuff. So most of the units in the army don't benefit from those strats. So, okay, I need my CP for other things. So I can go, I can start with zero and still get two on my first turn. And okay, I've got a reroll here. Or I've got, you know, something I need to do with it. Um, I can do that. Whereas in the past, you know, with those strats being cheaper, you know, I needed more CP just to, you know, um, to really stay alive and, 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 and do things where in this army, I sort of built the resilience into the units where the dreadnoughts are minus one damage and, and, uh, have the built in feel no pain, just more survival. So enough beating around the bush with it, I guess you, you've got these dreadnoughts, the Caladius, the bikes, there's not an infinite number of data sheets in custodies. So you're kind of making your choices about which ones you're taking and then how you apply them on the table. So what is the overall strategy with this army so my deployment is key the castellan mark relic uh that i have on the bike captain allows me to redeploy uh two units uh at the start of the game once you know who's going first um basically that allows me to stagger my dreads on the line so i'll put two achilles dreadnoughts uh you know ready to go on the line and if i get first turn i put either two more or i put two units of bikes on the front as well if it if I don't get first turn, which I only got first turn once in six games, I pull the dreads back. I go into a little bit more of a defensive counter strike stance and wait for the opponent to move into me. We talked about. We just wanted to uh, catch everybody up. We did kind of briefly talk about Trajan, and then yep. and then like didn't go super deep into it. And, I, and it, he may factor into like why you've taken in some of these other things. So maybe catch people up on everything that Trajan brings to the table. Yeah. So so Trajan has two warlord traits. He gets them for one CP. He also gives you one CP. So he's essentially free. And so Trajan gives you rerolls. His his native ability is to give you rerolls of one to hit wounds. In a within six inches. Uh, he also rerolls his own hits, so he's, he's good in combat. Um, but he also, with his warlord traits, he basically gets to reshuffle your katas, uh, which are the custodies. Um, you sort of pick one per turn, uh, sort of like a small buff that you get to your army. And then he also, he gives them a, fi- a five up feel no pain. And he also farms CP back for anything that I spent. So Trajan in this army, hitting on twos is an absolute must to make sure that your efficiency is through them. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank you. Trajan's a fantastic choice in most studies, unless you'll see him as a staple, along with most of your other choices here. The bikes are a bit of an interesting one. You don't often see uh, Virtus Praetors on tables these days much anymore. So how do you find them effective? What do you use them for? I actually, I use them in two ways. So, um, in a couple of games, because of their speed, I use them, uh, sort of as, uh, in the back, uh, screening, um, deep strikers out. And then what happens is I can bring them up mid game because they move so fast. I can, I can bring them up. I can get them within auras for rerolls for shooting, stuff like that. So, so in certain matchups, like when I played like the thousand suns matchup, uh, they were actually sort of screening out my back line with my tank, uh, against the teleport shenanigans that they can do with their terminator bricks and then uh in some of the other games they were the spear they were moving up the board fast shooting and hitting hard um they're definitely not as resilient as they as they were uh, before when you could spend strats on them so they're mainly there to either be um the sort of the second wave after the dreads or they're the tip of the spear um I don't mind if I lose them when they're the tip of the spear because I, I have then have the dreads coming in right after. So 
Uh, that's sort of my mentality with them. And then again, if I'm if I'm going up against you know tough targets, the salvo launchers are, are there. Yeah, so a bit of a of a flexing choice there. They, they help you a lot with the mission as well as speed that custodians don't typically bring with the dreadnoughts and stuff. They're not as durable though. So do you find that mix of profile in your army, the dreadnoughts and the bikes, just get the bikes killed more quickly, or do you navigate them with terrain more? I do. I do use terrain quite a bit. Um, as a custodian fighter, you have to use the terrain. Um, you know, you duck it and cover with with different ruins. I actually, I kind of. You know, depending on the matchup, I will throw them up there to be targeted because I really need my dreadnoughts to do the work. Uh, you know, if I'm going up against anything that's minus one damage, you know, unfortunately, the entire Custodes army, other than the dreadnoughts and, and Trajan, are two damage. So you really lose. You're losing 50% of your damage output. Um, so with the bikes, you know, if I put them up there to, to sort of take the brunt, then they're, you know, if they're shooting my bikes, they're not shooting my dreadnoughts. So yeah, they, they definitely serve a purpose of the speed aspect of it, but also when I just need the, the enemy to focus on something, I'll throw bikes out there to take that brunt so my dreadnoughts don't get picked on. So, so in- do you find that people have to, sh- to like use similar weapon profiles to attack both of those because they're so tough or like what type of, you know, kind of target priority confusion are you trying to create? Um, yeah, I mean, I find that the bikes, even though like they, they don't have the strats, um, you know, being five wounds is just that, that extra wound really helps, you know, keeps them alive a little bit longer. And yeah, they, they have to pour quite a bit of stuff into the bikes also to kill them just because that four up involve, you know, keeps them alive quite well versus the dreadnoughts that I'm all running. I actually, a bunch of my list is all five up involved. So everyone always jokes, you know, to be a good custodian player, you have to roll four ups, but you know, a bunch of the list is five ups. So, um, really, you know, other than the, the guard and, and, uh, the bikes are, is a five. So, um, the bikes have been clutch. Um, yeah, I'll throw them up there so that they have to put their heavy shooting into them. Well, everybody knows that five ups are, you know, more reliable than four ups. <laughs> yeah, I have I have a friend who can definitely roll better five ups than than four. So four is the tickle. We always say it. Um, no, it's true though. One of the challenges custodies face is the inverse of that. To be a, a bad custodies player, all you have to do is fail four ups. You know, so yeah, yeah. you play an army where every wound is super valuable and critical, right? Like your points per wound is like insane ratio wise to like a guardsman. So. When you fail saves more than average, as everybody does, 40k is an averages game, but across the whole game, sometimes you just roll bad. How do you actually account for that in your planning and your your things? Do you just put yourself out there and hope it doesn't happen? Like, how do you find consistency with that? So I, I try. So one of the I say the MVPs of this list is the banner. So you know, custodies um, in fighting. You know, if you're going to die in, in combat, you're going to die. But in in uh, in the shooting phase, one of the things that I you know I always try to work around in my list is how do I get a banner in there? Um, you know, the banner was key in mitigating the the, the, the lost wounds. Um, I used to play a style more defensively where I would just stick everything out. Okay, well if you killed me, you killed me. That was more of an eighth edition style. I found with ninth, you you just you have to be the one being the aggressive uh, person because of just everything is so killy. So in, in that regard, I don't do that as much. I will bait units. So I will put out units in a way that forces my opponent to either overstretch or, you know, commit something. And then I will count. I'm more of a counter attacker. Um, and, you know, but gone are the days where, yeah, you could just literally, you know, with custodes, 
just put them out there, you know, and say, okay, do your worst, right? They don't have the resiliency, I think, of 8th edition, uh, you know, with the shield guard, you know, not being a 3-up, they're now 4-up, uh, and everything right now being so high AP in the game, you know, yeah, losing those wounds is is really painful. So I would say a lot of my CP uh, is going into failed saves to keep them alive um, uh, a little longer. That's really interesting. Uh, just- well, you said the banner. Like, what what does the banner do? Like, why is that? So, so the banner gives you a six inch aura of minus one to hit in shooting. Um, so, if you're taking, you know, a knight's army to uh, four up shooting, or you know, anybody that's, you know, like Tau, if you don't have mark lights four to five or anything like that, that that change in that dice roll is big. Yeah, it sounds nice. When you're when you're playing this army, it almost sounds to me, in addition to the the stacking of the minus one to hit from the banner. Um, just to add to that durability using CP rerolls on your defense, which I think is really cool. But the you use the bikes basically as forward bait, is from my understanding. So your opponent has to react to them because they're coming up on you. And because they're not like your normal, let me throw out five scouts or a viper or whatever, you're throwing out three Dawn Eagle jet bikes. Your opponent's got to respond to that with a lot of force. Otherwise, it's not going to do anything. They're five wounds each, four pinball, you got saves, um, and they're tough in six. And then you get to counter-strike, as you said, with your dreadnoughts because your opponent overextended to deal with the bikes. Is that the general principle that you try to use? Is that your overall game plan, or is that just something you do sometimes? Um, I think I try to use that more so than than other methods. Um, you know, some some armies, it's it's just uh, depending on what I play. Uh, I like, for instance, I, I played a Blood Angels player, great guy. He's a little bit new to the tournament scene. And he just came at me like he just like first turn, everything moved at me. And, you know, he got um, uh, some of his hammer guys. I'm trying to think of the name uh, Death Company uh, into a dreadnought, which, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to try and pin him in his zone. Um, I heroic into him. I cleaned up that unit. I got all this free movement. And now he's his entire army has advanced towards me and now they're within reach. So in that sense of the counterpunch, I didn't, I didn't bait him. He just came at me and then I just counterpunched him. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, I think I picked up about 12 or 1400 points of his army in the first turn. Ouch, that uh, hurts my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so in that sense, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I look for that counterpunch. Um, uh, more so, I try to bait for it, uh, depending on the skill of the player. Um, you know, when I played uh, a Nids player, I was really trying to bait his um, flying uh, Hive Tyrant. Um, I knew I had to survive it so it couldn't overrun back, and that's what happened. So he he put it out there. I was able to survive. Now, that thing is mine to deal with, right? So, um, you know, that that's sort of the, the overall way that I play this army. Right. And we'll get into the specific matchup talk in the part two, but I'm glad you used those specific examples of how you can get some real commitments from your opponent, like a fly ring to come after bikes or something as an example, and then yeah. you actually get to pin this fly ring down and kill it. And that's a huge value trade up for you. Is yeah. it almost okay. like, um, I, I know what custodies methodology for approaching the game is they only have so much anti-tank weapons because things like regular bolters don't really have any impact on you from a damage perspective. So any points they put into anti-infantry just don't really apply. Do you try to get them to extend their anti-tank, their anti-big stuff on your bikes and then react it with a dreadnought so that's gone? And then here's a critical mass of dreadnoughts. You don't have enough anti-tank left. 
Let's rumble. For sure. I think um, I the first thing I do is when I look at the, the opponent's list, I, I look at what is going to kill me. And whatever that is, I will deploy or try to set up uh, ways to get at it. You know, um, I would say, you know, like to, for an example, a difficult one in that situation would be against Tau, where you've got hammerheads at the back. Like they're never going to be in your face. So I have to take a different uh, approach to that. Uh, anything that, you know, is big and heavy that's going to kill me, that, that is the anti tank. Uh, in some armies, they have to put it on the front line. Okay. How do I, how do I get to it? Right. Is he, is he putting a wall of units in front of it? You know, and, and so, I try to create scenarios in I, what I have to kill, and then I, from there, then I, I then go after the rest of the army. Yeah. What are some things you know, that you would generally prioritize? You know, again, it's not. We'll, we'll get into the matchup talk, like Nick said in, in part two. But like, when, what are the the models that you think like, oh, that that fits into this strategy? Yeah. So um, one of the things that Nids have is they have the harpies. I've I faced a double harpy list. Um, so. What I did in that game, and I know we'll talk more about specifics, but um, just as an example, I knew I had to kill those harpies. If I didn't kill those harpies, I wasn't going to win the game. The hive tyrant also was a threat, but those harpies just put out so much damage um, that a failed save is, you know, a lost guy. It's, 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 you know, he can wipe out a dreadnought in the turn or or multiple. So with those. Um, I had to get him to overextend those harpies. I hid really well. Um, I did things to, to get at them. Um, for knights, actually, knights are pretty tough because even the, 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 the baby knights, they pack, you know, quite a bit of punch, but I knew the big knights I had to deal with. Um, those big, big, you know, heavy damage guns. Um, so I had to, to work a way to get around to them. So if I could, if I could simplify it in a way. Just codify it, I guess, is what we're trying to do here. We'll get into specifics in, in part two. It, you're looking for whatever is their biggest damage dealers, especially yeah. long-range yeah. damage dealers, because like the flyman, as you said in this example, isn't as scary as the harpies, because it doesn't kill you five for five turns. It's fighting you in combat a couple times, and then you can interact with it from there. The harpies yeah. can stay at a distance, just blasting you. Same with knights. Yeah. So, and you don't have the ability to hide, like you said. Like You can try, because studies have to use terrain, but... You kind of have to go where the objectives are, and you have to go kill your opponent because you're it's just the reality to how your army works. So you have to f- tackle your problems head on. There's no dancing around it like an Eldar player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just think that's really cool as a codification for it. But I guess how do you win your games is the question I want to really get at. Um, we're talking about the one-two combo punch to counterattack people, and I understand how that can lead to a material advantage because they're trading down, you're killing their most important stuff, and then pushing them around from there. But when it comes to scoring your points and things of that nature, how do you actually play primaries with very little obsec? How do you score? I guess we'll get into secondary so, in a bit, but yeah. Yeah, so um, I think the, the, the one thing I've learned with custodies is we don't have the best secondaries, so... It's more about shutting down other people's secondaries than it is about scoring your own. And then, uh, trying to, uh, deal, uh, like, you know, as much as you want to deal with the damage dealers, uh, in some armies, you're not necessarily trying to deal with the damage dealers. You're trying to deal with, okay, what can take primary away from me? So, you know, if you're dealing with heavy obsec armies. And so in that sense, I look at, okay, I, I know that I'm, 
not going to score a hundred, right? Custody scoring a hundred is very difficult. So where am I going to average out and sort of look at, okay, to win this game, I need to to look at the three secondaries that my opponent has picked and how do I shut those down? So you're and, almost operating in reverse. You're, you're not, you're less yeah. concerned with what you're taking as your go-to strategy and you're like disruption yeah. and messing with them. Yeah. 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 Very That's cool. the way you have to do it just because with the loss of like stranglehold, right. Which was like a go-to for custodes. Um, you know, the, our replacement, which is our own, isn't as good. And it, it only really works if you go second, um, and so there's, there's just, I found instead of trying to maximize my own secondaries, it's just, how do I shut them down? Do you also play the game from a similar approach from the primary perspective where you're just trying to block out their primaries? I mean, generally speaking, whenever possible, but is that a focus point of how you attack your opponent? Yeah. So on a five point mission, which the majority of them are, I pick three objectives and those are my homes. So I don't try to overextend to get the fourth unless I can, unless there's a really weak flank or, you know, or they've just overcommitted on somewhere else and I can send a unit on a, you know, a YOLO uh, to try and take something. Um, but yeah, it's on a five point mission. I pick my three objectives that I need to hold. Now that's going to give me a slight advantage in primary, but if I can shut down their secondaries, that is all I need. So I guess with your with respect to you're defending your three objectives basically and then trying to mess with their secondaries, are you yeah. concerned at all about your opponent being able to disrupt your hold on those secondary those primaries because there's very little upsec in your army, or are those very deliberately just babysitting objectives? So the the I do worry about it a little bit on one of the objectives. The the main, you know, I would say castle of my army is going to be, you know, let's say that center objective. So I do have obsec on it with my guard. So my guard is there. They are walking in front of uh, my banner and Trajan and the they're intermixed with my dreads or wherever they need to be. But that's my obsec on the center point. Usually an army will put, you know, they're, they'll try to steal the other objective, but... Um, the chances are is I've got a dreadnought and have some bikes over there or something like that. And I, you know, they're, they're not able to necessarily keep taking it away from me. I can hold that objective by just killing. So, um, I do put my obsec where I need it. And that's usually the center objective. Um, and then my tank, which is holding down my backfield, um, you know, is, is screening and holding up the, the backfield objective. Okay. I, I get the approach to, how you kind of clear your section out from the enemy and just keep on pressing as your best defense for holding your backfield objectives. Just don't let them into it. When it comes to yeah. taking down your opponent's objectives, you have very little obsec able to push onto them. Is that just something against obsec armies, lots of troops, you just don't really interact on primary, like Necrons, for example? I guess not going too deep in that specific one, just conceptually. Yeah, that, that is a struggle. So um, what I'll do is if I know I can't take one of their two you know, um, objectives because of the obsec challenge. Yeah, I, I will just double down, focus on mine, and then and then worry about you know um, the the secondaries. So okay, that makes a lot of sense. I guess that leads us to the to the last question on this line is what secondaries do you actually take in your games? Yeah, what are the go tos? Like what what are the ones that you, you pretty much feel confident that your list is geared towards every single time? And then and then maybe when when will you opt for something else? Uh, you know, the funniest thing is probably the most consistent secondary I used in that tournament was banners. And you look at my army and you go, 
wow, you have three units that can raise banners. Um, you know, it's not a lot, but it, it's, it's, you know, put a banner on the back, uh, put a banner on the center. And, you know, I've usually killed enough of my enemy's army by the third turn. I can get some late banners on some other points. And, um, the, the Ulrich Mortalis one, which is a custodies secondary, which is basically, uh, pick the, the highest costed unit in their army outside of a supreme commander. And if you kill it, you get five points. If you kill it in combat, you get another five points. And if you kill it outside of your deployment zone, it's worth another five points. That was another one I used consistently. And, uh, I did use stand vigil a few times. That was, uh, the, that's sort of the, alternative to stranglehold where you have to hold more points in no man's land than your opponent but it's at the end of the battle round so going second it's a it's it's a good one to have going first it's it's a bit of a liability so now there are just certain secondaries that i kind of lucked into um in the in the tournament that were just really good so for instance when i played knights bring it down was you know an auto take when i played thousand suns of uh abhor the witch yeah is a is a is a mandatory one um and then you know the other armies that i faced uh no prisoners was huge well it's it's interesting you say that you kind of got lucky in that but there's the element of list writing of to deny your opponent's secondaries does require you to go it makes design choices right i'm not going to include a certain number of vehicles characters wounds and infantry units etc a lot of armies are in the game, struggling with the same issues you are, it's that, you know, my secondaries aren't Necron level secondary. So I have to get more creative and active about fighting you on your terms and um, primary pushing you and secondary disrupting you. Kind of the same strategy you're doing. Yeah. Which means they have to forego, I guess, those denial yeah. attempts within list writing and rather create a more active list. And one, one of the other ones I used quite a bit just because of the way I built the list is, uh, you know, grind was was big in a few games just because i knew that every turn i could kill more units than they were going to kill mine um so grind was big and also my list when you look at my list directly it doesn't give up a lot of secondaries the only i guess the best secondary against the list is probably um assassination which is only which is 10 points but you for you to kill those three characters i'm losing the game anyway so you know it's it's you're denying secondaries to your opponent while being able to capitalize on the fact that other people are getting warmer with the idea of giving them up with respect to the where what the requirements to compete are yeah that's really interesting um you mentioned the the one i forget its name already where you have to kill a character and you get different amount of points based on who and when it happens that's a really i've seen people take that that type of secondary so rarely how do you find it how does that one work for you so i I actually so so it's not only characters just highest point value uh, units but if it if your army does have like a supreme commander you have to pick it so you know if you're going up against ultramarines uh you know and and they've got gilliman you know he, he is your target now in that in that i i feel you know that's doable for custodes custodes are are marine killers you know, against um, Necrons, that's going to be a lot more difficult with the Silent King. Um, so the way that I've always used that is, okay, you know, typically in like, let's say a knight's army, I know, you know, their their big knight is their warlord. He's the big boy. I know I have to kill him to win the game. And 
I will settle for 10 points if I got to kill him in shooting, but you know, I, I have to kill him anyway. So, you know, if I don't kill him, I'm like I said, I'm not winning the game. So I, I just go at that target. Like I need to, you know, double down almost how I said where, um, you know, I need to kill him to win and I need to kill him for the secondaries. So I'm just going to put what I need to into him to get him. And it's worked out pretty well. You know, in, in a couple of games, you're dealing with large blobs of infantry, but those large blobs of infantry are their damage dealers. They need to fight you. So again, if I'm not killing them, uh, I'm not winning the game. So that, that was always my approach on that uh, secondary, and, and it's worked out well. Is that your general approach is to try to tie things to points you're going to be going for anyway, like units or whatever, meld it up best you can? Yeah, like in, in certain matchups for sure. Like, the, like I know, um, I'll try to double down on some secondaries, you know, like grind and, or sorry, I can't use grind in there, but, um, you know, certain secondaries that drive really well together. So if an army is really heavily, um, character heavy and, you know, I have assassination with or, or you know, mortalis, you know, those a lot of the times will, will double down, right? Because I know that that character is being protected by that big blob of Terminators. So I have to deal with the Terminators to get to the character, and they're both going to score me points. Makes a lot of sense there with the secondaries. Just trying to find ones that are in line with your game, because your game isn't to score 100 points. It's to play 40k, beat your opponent's strategy, yeah. and score the points along the way. Yeah, so if I if I get 8 to 10 on a secondary, it's, it's a good secondary. <laughs> I mean, I'd like more than 10, but, you know, I'll settle for 10 or less, right? So you mentioned in the beginning that you're not scoring 100 points pretty often with custodies, and you you try to find like a, your average points and, and understand that. What is an average scoring game for you? Um, probably, I would say sometimes you know I would say in the 80s is usually average. That's pretty high still. Yeah, I mean it's it's it sometimes it dips. You know where I did have some wins um, that were like 79, 76 stuff, stuff like that. So maybe maybe the range is seventy five to eighty five, uh, maybe or seventy five to eighty three is sort of you know that that spot that I go for. You know, and 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 if I get that and I'm doing doing what the army does best, you know, my opponents usually in the forties, sometimes in the fifties. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you eventually about you know how to how you play into Necrons and Adeptus Rotas and, and and the like. Uh, but before we get there, you know, let's talk about some of the the command points and stuff. Actually, let's take a, a quick break, a little bit of a station identification, let people know about the show if they don't know it already, and then we'll come back and jump into that. Like what you're listening to? Be sure to check out the second part of this episode where we break down specifically how our guest plays against all the top armies in the game. Want even more awesome Warhammer content? Check out the War Room. The War Room. You'll gain access to the minds of the best Warhammer players in the world with brand new content every single week. Join our amazing community, elevate your game, and enjoy your hobby more. We are back. Still got Mike and Nick here, getting into to the real good stuff here. How do you spend your your zero command points? <laughs> well, let's actually let's talk about. I know we went over the list, but you know, what you've opted to use uh, your command points for? Yeah. So, so in this list, um, you know, three off the bat are gone uh, with the Vanguard. It just and list composition have yeah cost yeah. you three. Yeah, right there, gone. And then I have uh, three CP tied up on my bike captain. So my bike captain uh, basically has two warlord traits uh, and a relic. 
Um, I sometimes juggle uh, the the relic or the warlord trait onto the banner. Um, this time, I just kept it all on the on the bike captain. And uh, what I used uh, for on him is superior creation, which is a five up feel no pain, and um, uh, impenetrable mind, which gives me a deny. Uh, with a plus one in the psychic phase. One of the other benefits to that is he also doubles his model count on an objective. So he counts as four models. Oh, wow. Yeah, because Custody's already counted as two. Yeah. And then uh, the relic, uh, which is Castellan's Mark, allows me to redeploy two units at the start of the game. I can either pull them into reserves or I can redeploy them in my deployment zone. That's one we see taken in almost every single Custody's list. What are some ways you use that one? Yeah, so uh, sort of like I, I said, uh, is basically I use it to um, in deployment to sort of bait uh, units. So I'll, I'll start my dreads on the line. Um, if I go second, I pull my dreads back. Um, or, you know, I'll start my bikes on the line, depending on, on the matchup, and then either pull them back or add dreads to the line if I'm going first. Um so that's that's the way I've typically used it. I don't really side shuffle or or do too much of you know putting them here and then pulling them to the side of the table. Um, it's more of um, watching where my opponent is deploying, putting units to counteract them, and then if I go first, doubling down on that or second, pulling them back uh, into a safe spot. In a couple of matchups, I've actually left my dreads sort of on the line and pulled my bikes into reserves because i knew that they were going to be targets uh right off the bat so interesting so you, you actually go with the reserves for, for it occasionally what is the decision process there i mean the, the basic concept makes sense to me right you're deploying some units forward some units back and based on first or second turn you're going to adjust accordingly but how do you figure reserves into this so um as an example um i when i went up against the double harpy list and i will talk more about that later um basically i knew the one thing he was going to go for were my bikes. My bikes can charge the harpies. My bikes can can bring the harpies down in one round of shooting. Um, so I knew those harpies were going to be in my face and they were going to kill my bikes. So um, what I did was I I left my dreads because I knew they weren't as important in that matchup and I had to put the bikes in the reserve. Uh, that's a, a key um, a, a key decision that ultimately I believe won me the game. And uh, so, so that in that matchup, that's that's how I I came to that. Gotcha. So it's kind of like avoiding the alpha strike, even when studies don't typically get alpha strike, I guess. But when it does happen, yeah, yeah. you don't want it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You said in the beginning you save your CP for uh, the mostly command point rerolls on saves, but true to the brutal but cunning section, as Paul so coined it, we got to figure out what the cool combos are. Do you use your CP for anything more interesting than that? Yeah. So. Um, typically, State Alive is pretty interesting. I will say yeah. that. it's not that interesting. Yeah. It's- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a big one that I do use is Wisdom of the Ancients on my Dreadnoughts to provide an aura of ones uh, to reroll, or sorry, on the wounds. So what I find is if I send a, a, a Dreadnought and a unit of bikes down a flank and I don't have my bike captain with them or you know they're on their own, um, I get that one reroll sort of, you know, on, on the attack, on the hit, I will use it to reroll a hit, but custodies hit on twos. So, you know, chances are I'm going to roll twos or higher. Reroll one on the wounds. For them because your conversion rate is so high. 
Yeah. So on the wounds, it's really important to wound. So um, having uh, the the dreadnought with them that can give them the reroll of ones. Typically, they're wounding on threes, or or you know sometimes fours depending on the matchup. Typically threes, um, sometimes twos. But you know I need that reroll uh, on the wound. So wisdoms of the ancient has been big in in certain times of the game. Uh, on my custodian guard, I've had them hit with like, you know, 10 possessed going into them. Turning, uh, using, uh, shield wall is a big one, um, to make them minus one to be hit in combat or just transhuman. Transhuman is probably, um, uh, probably, uh, I mean, it's not a very heavy infantry army, but, you know, putting transhuman on Trajan or, or, or the other infantry, uh, has been clutch. It makes sense. All your strats are just kind of value adds for durability or offense in the given moment. Is there any strat that you use, like Tanglefoot, that has really um, oh. come up with some cool situations for you, aside from just linearly increasing your, your offense or defense? Yeah, so tang- Tanglefoot would be, if we're not talking about you know an offensive or defensive, I mean, I, I consider it a little bit of a defensive strat because you just don't want those those guys to move. Tanglefoot is big. And uh, another, well, that's more of an offensive one. I'm just trying to think of the other ones I've used. Um, I have used, you know, uh, the fight on death uh, for my shield captain. Mm-hmm. In some games, I, I have YOLO'd him up the board and, you know, trying to take out a key target and you know, things will go your way. And, you know, he just needs to, to still do his damage. So I've, I've used, uh, you know, fight on death uh, for that. So that one is, uh, is a key one as well in certain situations. It's all uh, situational with, with custodes. Okay, I just wanted to, to check that out because I know custodians don't have the the most interesting of strats, aside from keeping yourselves alive, which is very interesting. My apologies. Well, every now yeah. and then, you know, like you mentioned, the Tanglefoot, though, you can kind of just you know, really kind of I don't want to say surprise because your opponent probably knows they're coming. Yeah, huge, huge. I mean, I used it on a um, a unit of uh, possessed, you know, and and rolled that that awesome six, and uh, they went nowhere. And then I uh, and then I charged them. So that's awesome. Always keep that in your back pocket. And Paul, yeah. I'm I'm really eager to get into the matchups. It sounds like Mike really knows his stuff, and it's all about how you apply it in the right scenarios. So any other questions you want to ask? Well, just one quickly, you know, what got you playing Custodes to begin with? Like, what uh, what about the army got you excited about it? So I uh, started uh, playing 40K during COVID um, and, you know, learned on TTS because, you know, um, couldn't really go to a, a store or anything like that. And um, uh, I got... Uh, um, I was lucky to to run into a good group of people I met online, and uh, um, really had a good chat with uh, my friend Curtis. And he he's like, "Well, what what interests you?" And I said, "Well, you know, I like Space Marines, but everybody plays Space Marines, and you know, I I kind of I I really like elite. I want I want low model count. I want elite armies. I want you know something that is where I think if I make a mistake, I lose the game. I I, I really like to." challenge myself and he's like oh i got the army for you you gotta play custodes i said oh okay he goes yeah they're just super marines but they're they've got a flavor of uh, on into their own so i said all right let's give it a try and uh just fell in love with them and um yeah they're they're my my uh my go-to army oh nice now you're wrecking face winning big tournaments and that that's awesome that's a story yeah Yeah. congratulations again mike well done thank you thank you yeah 
and that's that's we'll wrap up part one right here uh subscribers hang out we'll be right back for part two everybody else please don't forget to leave us some five-star reviews like share subscribe leave some comments on the youtube that is you know again that's a kind of a hassle-free way to let folks uh potentially find us that way through the algorithms and everything but it's been a pleasure mike uh great talking to you nick mike hang out a second we'll be right back everybody else we'll see y'all next week like what you just listened to Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. <laughs>